Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. From a very, very poor family. <laughs> no, it's poorer than that. <laughs> suddenly, from having nothing, we had everything. And I became beginning. Tom and I stopped speaking. So don't talk to me about God. I can't be doing with all that. He said, why? I said, because if I meet God, I don't want to become a monk. <laughs> I'm serious. I said that. I knew what the other comics were going to say. I knew what the papers were going to say. I've done four Royal Command performances in front of the Queen, the Royal Family. I've met them all. I would sooner be here tonight. Talking about Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Holy Spirit you need, not a mint. Get that in you, the Holy Spirit, not a mint. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Bobby Ball. Hi. And usually, when I come on a platform, I usually get uh, a real big round of applause. Now, that was actually great and very welcome, but usually I get a little bit more than that. So I'm going to go off, come back on, I want you screaming and shouting. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Ball! Come on! Come on! Let's get some life! Come on! Come on! That was fantastic. Now this time, when I go off again, I'm just joking. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life and uh, what God did in my life and totally changed my life. And I'm hoping I'm going to tell you some other things which might shock you really tonight. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I was born in a beautiful, picturesque village called Oldham. <laughs> Australians, Americans, you won't understand that. Ignore the rest. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's that bad, it's twinned with itself. <laughs> so I come from Oldham, and I come from a very, very poor family. <laughs> no, it's poorer than that. All right, all right. 
Do you remember the tin baths? We had a paper one. Now that's being poor. And you'll not believe this, so I come from a poor family from Oldham, and you'll not believe it with looking at me now, but I was an ugly child. Because <laughs> I'm a fine figure of a man now. And nobody will tell me I'm not. But I was an ugly child. I was that ugly, when I was born, my mother put me in incubator with tinted windows. <laughs> That's ugly, isn't it? I went to Buckley's and my mother put me in an ugly baby contest and the professionals said, no professionals. <laughs> so I come from that and, uh, and I grew up doing show business. Oh, and I'm married to, um, I've been married to a beautiful lady called Yvonne. This year I've been married to her for 26 years. She's a lovely lady. She, uh, she can't be here tonight because she works on the trawlers out to Fleetwood. But, uh, I'm joking. It's a joke, madam. She's a bouncer in a nightclub. But, but she's a lovely lady and I've been married to her for 26 years. But I did show business all my life from being a child. And um, then when I was about 15, I discovered rock and roll. And I became a teddy boy. Do you remember the teddy boys? Yeah. You do, don't you? You've still got the clothes on. <laughs> and uh, then... <laughs> Joe! <laughs> so he came and... The hair's gone, but you've still got the sideburns, which is brilliant. <laughs> and keep your head still, because the light's bouncing right in my eyes. Anyway... So uh, I became a teddy boy, and then I started, so I got a job, then I became a welder, and that's where I met Tommy, who's my, who's my partner. I met Tommy, I was a welder, he was a fitter welder, because he used to run a lot. And... <laughs> now, American, what's your name from America? Gloria, this is fascinating because you've never seen Yorkshire people laugh before. And the lovely people, they have a tendency to be a little bit tight. <laughs> Yorkshire, you see, they can peel an orange in the pocket. <laughs> without a knife. Anyway. So I met Tommy. And uh, we started doing an act called Cannonball. And then we used to do the pubs and the clubs at weekends. And we started to make a lot of money. And we, madam, 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 madam. <laughs> Do not talk when I'm talking. Because I can see everything. Right? You what? Pack it in. My leg's stuck. Anyway. So, became welders. Me and Tom, and we started doing this and doing the clubs and pubs. Come in, you're very late, but welcome. The service started half past seven. You just walked in on the Lord, but I'm not making you feel guilty. So then we went professional, and we started doing show business and so on and so on and so on. And we did the pubs and clubs and all that, and then we got on television, which were very nice. Ooh. Did television for 14 years, me and Tom, and did Royal Command performances, and we did everything, really, in showbiz, me and Tom. 
But when you come from an, an ordinary background, as me and Tom did, and you get on television, it actually changed my life, and it changed Tommy's life. Because suddenly, from having nothing, we had everything. We had big houses, big Rolls Royces, lots of money, we had everything. And it changed my life. Now, I'd said I'd been married 26 years with three kids. And I became more important than my family. More important because it was my ego. I was on television. Everybody knew me in England. And I became beginning. And Tom and I stopped speaking. We hated one another when we were on television. We loved working with one another because Tom is the best straight man you'll ever see. He's fantastic. And on stage, he's wonderful. Because I can bounce off him. But when we got off stage, we never spoke, went our separate ways. Because I thought I was the one who was the main one of the act. And so did he. <laughs> so it doesn't work. But we stayed together. I don't, it, well, you'll hear at the end of the story, but it was God's plan. But we actually hated one another. And many a time we had separate hotels, separate dressing rooms, separate people working for us. And it was crazy. We had at one time, me and Tommy, we had 30 to 40 people working for us. And we're two comedians. <laughs> crazy. And that was our lifestyle. Going around the country being the big names. But really not happy, see? But I had everything. So then I started to drink, and I, started, and I ended up drinking a bottle and a half of whiskey a day. Before I went out at night, this was a day. And then I used to go on whiskey, I used to go on McCarty and Coke at night, because I thought it was more posher. <laughs> but whiskey were okay for the day. I don't, and the alcohol had a tendency to make me very violent. I used to fight a lot. Now, ladies and gentlemen, look at me. <laughs> I'm five foot four. But you never get a soft Jack Russell, do you? And that's how I was, a snapper. And the more I got the alcohol, I could jump as well. And then I got that and that, so I had this going for me. Now, then I start to commit adultery. Say so I've been married 26 years. Well, my wife says, she's been married 26 years, I've only been married 15. <laughs> that's since I've been a Christian. So I started to commit adultery. Now, I didn't commit it once, I committed it every night. Because I was always on the road and I never went to bed alone. I never had affairs, I had one night stands. So work it out yourselves. Because my wife and family were here. But I was here. And I thought it was me that provided for them and everything. And as long as I provided them with a good home, nice car, that were it. She had food on the table, good. She could have what she wanted. Don't come into my life. We really didn't have a marriage, but I thought we did. We were like a normal marriage. And I started to commit this story, and I became addicted to lust. I didn't become addicted to the alcohol, nor the violence. I was addicted to lust, and you can get addicted to it. It's like pornography. You can get addicted to anything. You can get addicted to your job, and your, your family will suffer because you only think about your job. That's the wrong way to be. Your family should come first, your job is secondary, or whatever. And I got addicted to this lust. But I thought it was fine, because I thought that's what everybody did. 
And I was in Bradford at the Bradford Alhambra in Bradford. Well, it will be in Bradford. But, um, and I was there. Look at that kiddie ways, eight stone three. It's quarter past eight. Anyway, so, um, sorry, I just saw that kid stand on the clock and it's quarter past eight. Look like eight. Anyway, so. So I'm in, the, uh, I'm in the Bradford Alhambra and a vicar walked in called Max Wigley and I've never been a lover of vicars. I'm a bit better now, but I've, you didn't used to be because I could never understand the collar. The collar and the charcoal grey suit. I could never understand that. Because it always appeared to me, I know now it's different because you do get some vicars that are just doing it for a job, but you do get some spirit-filled vicars. And this was a spirit-filled vicar that came to see me. But you must remember that I had no contact with this. This is what I saw, and this was my view on it. That if they always seemed to make me feel they were better than me because of the clothes they wore. And he walked in, this guy, and I attacked him. It's called Max Wigley, Bradford. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. But I attacked him. And I said to him, don't come in here with your collar on because you know better than me. He said, okay. And he took it off and put it in his pocket. I said, oh, all right. And don't talk about God. Because I believe in God. I've not done anything really wrong. <laughs> I didn't think I had. I said, I'll go to heaven. I'll wait while I'm dead. I'll meet him then and then go to heaven. So don't talk to me about God. I can't be doing with all that. He said, okay. And he never did. And I said, I'll tell you for why. Because I've got everything, me. I've got a big Rolls Royce. I've got two birds waiting in the hotel and you've gotten out. That means nothing. <laughs> I said, you've gotten out. I said, you live in a rented house that the church provides for you. I have a big house, me. So I have everything. And you've gotten out. So your God's not blessing you, is he? He's blessing me, though. Think about it. This is what I said. So he said, no problems, and he never mentioned God all the time he was there. But you see, pastors and vicars are very clever, because they come in the back door. <laughs> Some of them open farms. <laughs> and you think you're going on a camping holiday till you get here. <laughs> anyway. So he never, he never mentioned God, and then he's going out the door, and he turned around, and he said, by the way, Bobby, what you said about you having everything and me having nothing, you're wrong there because at the minute I have more than you. I've got everything because I have Jesus Christ in my life so I don't need any more. But I'll see you later and he went. <laughs> and he left me hanging from the ceilings <laughs> because he had got something I hadn't got. He had peace. He didn't want anything else. I could tell that and it goaded me because I had everything I thought, but he had more than me. Because he had a peace in his eyes. He had that peace. I can't explain. He had God. I didn't know God then. So I said, okay, I thought about what he'd said about having Jesus and God. And the more I thought about God after that, every day I thought about it, even every night, everything. The more I thought about God, the more my sin seemed to come to the top of my skin. And the more I thought about God, the more I could recognize my sin. 
Because before I couldn't recognise my sin, but now God was touching me, eh? I could see my sin. And I felt like I'd fallen in a puddle and it had cake and mud all over me. It was horrendous what I felt. I felt so dirty. Really dirty I felt. And the more I thought about God, the more dirty I felt. And I had a real wanting to know God. Now, I was a comedian. Them weren't good thoughts for a comedian. Because I'd have no material. <laughs> but I wanted to know God. But a fortnight later, I phoned him up. I said, hello, Max. He said, who is it? <laughs> I said, it's Bobby. He said, oh, Bobby, what do you want? Oh, in new. I said, listen, I want to come over. I want to talk to God about with you. He said, okay, come on then. So I went over to his place. And I sat there and he said, what is it? I said, listen, I want to talk about God. And I want to meet God. I don't know anything about the Bible. I've never been to church in my life, which I hadn't, because I'm from gypsy stock and my father never believed in it. I've never been to, I know nothing about it. I just know I want to meet God, but I'm so frightened. I'm frightened. He said, why? I said, because if I meet God, I don't want to become a monk. <laughs> I'm serious. I said this, because I felt that. I thought, oh, I'm going to be, you know, ultra-religious. And I said, and I don't want to become a Christian. <laughs> I said, because I've seen Christians all going to church with a big 300 pound King James Bible. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, it's happy going to church, isn't it? I hope I get that pew with the cushion on. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I'd seen these people. I thought they were Christians. They were churchgoers. They weren't Christians. But I thought they were. And I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you, there's millions believe that's what Christianity's about. Because they've seen the church rule Christianity. And they changed it to man ways. I believe that. If I'd have found a church where they sang and it were up and you praised man. Anyway, so I said, I don't want all that. And I don't even know the future, but I know I want to meet God. And he said, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you believe you're a sinner? And I said, yes, I do. Yeah, I do believe I'm a sinner. But I can't stop what I'm doing. That's me. Because if I come to God and I let him down, he said, don't worry about it. Let him worry about it. Like he knew him. And he did. I didn't say, you got were amazing. Let him worry about it. No reverence at all. Like it were his friend. I'd always thought, oh, it's God, you know. Blaspheme and all that. Let him worry about it. I said, but I can't stop what I'm doing. And I'm lusting. He said, let him worry about it. Just recognise that you are a sinner. Recognise it. He said, can I'm a sinner, Bob? I said, you're a vicar. He said, so? I sin every day. I'm not different than anybody. I'm not perfect. He said, have you recognised you're a sinner? I said, yeah, I do. He said, then, we pray to God and ask for forgiveness. I said, why? Why should I do that? He said, because he's your father. And if your son came to you and he's done something wrong and he comes to you and says, you know, Dad, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. He said, you get hold of your son. He said, come here. You love him and kiss him and say, of course, I forgive you. Now go and play, but don't do it again, but I forgive you. And you'll forget it. But if your child had done something and never came to you, you couldn't forgive him. You couldn't do it. He said, that's all it is with God. He said, you've got to get forgiveness. 
for your sins. He said, because you won't go to heaven. You can't do it, he said, because otherwise you'll be taking sin into heaven and contaminating it. And it all made sense. So I had to get forgiveness. I said, what do we do? He said, we pray. I said, I've never prayed in my life. And I haven't. Never prayed in my life. Even at school assemblies, when they were trying to do it, I would try to pull the bird down the street. <laughs> never did it. So I didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do. So he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll pray. And you say the prayer after me. But don't say it to me. Say it to God. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. I said, okay. I got three lines into the prayer. And I started to cry. And I cried like a baby. Like a baby. And I cried because I knew God were real. And I felt clean and washed. And I knew that Jesus Christ was alive. Now for anybody that doesn't know Jesus, I'm telling you straight, I'm not an idiot. And I'm not a clown. And I can't con myself. I'm telling you, he's living. And he changed my life. Changed it. And I cried like a baby. And all the mud were off me. And I was new. And I was fresh. And I walked out of his church. There was a woman walking up to the side of the street and a tidy looking woman. For the Americans, that's good. She was walking down the street and she had a miniskirt on on everything. And at one time, I would have lusted and there would be thoughts in my mind. There were no lust in my body. He took it away and I've never lusted for 15 years. <laughs> took it away. Don't want a woman. The only person I lust after is my missus. He took it all away. That's a big thing, you know. It's a very strong addiction. It's pornography and all that. It's rife today in the world. It's a devil's thing. I'm telling you, it destroys everything. I'm not saying, I'm saying God took away my lust. I'm not saying he took away my sex drive. Because <laughs> God's clever. He took away the wives, but he didn't take away mine. <laughs> you get that? And I must talk to him about that. Anyway. <laughs> so I went home and I'm crying these tears of joy because suddenly I know that Jesus is living. I mean, it's a revelation. If you go to, you know, you can go to church or whatever, but if you know that Jesus lives and suddenly he's going to change your life. And I knew, by the way, I remember I had to tell Tommy, and I knew that I was up for a lot of ridicule. I knew what the other comments were going to say. I knew what the papers were going to say. I knew me, I was ready to be persecuted by my business. But that was fine. I had no worries. No worries. I'll tell you something else. I've done four Royal Command performances in front of the Queen, the Royal Family. I've met them all. I would sooner be here tonight talking about Jesus Christ. True. So I'm crying tears of joy. And I went home to my missus, who I made very ill. She had anorexia, my missus, through my lifestyle. Five foot ten went out to seven stone three. I made her like that because of my womanising and my violent temper. And I walked in, I had tears of joy. And you know, I had no worries when I walked in and saw her. And I didn't feel guilty. Because God had forgiven me. 
right? And if he's forgive me, I can forgive myself. Because if I don't forgive myself, I'm slapping him in the face. And I knew he was going to heal this. And I said, Yvonne, I've found God. She said, has he been lost? <laughs> She's very clever, my missus. She thinks the Joan of Arc's Noah's wife. <laughs> and Anyway, I just thought I'd put that in. I thought I was a lovely little joke. But then, so, I'll tell you what he did. God, so I looked at my missus. Not, with it, this is within the space of an hour. This He took away my loss. That's gone. I knew we were real. I'm crying. First time he's made me humble. Took everything away. I looked at my wife, who were ill, and I knew that was going to be fine, so I had that certainty. And what he did, and do you know, ladies and gentlemen, I loved her with a love that's only God's love. Not a marriage, I'm talking about loved my missus. I thought I loved her before. I didn't love her before. Now I had real love. I can't explain that love. We've had a honeymoon for 15 years, me and my missus. A honeymoon. I love that woman. And do you know why? Listen, you know, do you know why what God had done, instead of me being first and me second, he moved it about and he made her first. And me second. He moved, the he moved the equation. So what he done was, all that matters to me now is my missus. He put that within an hour. And it's gone stronger and stronger. And now it's me that chases my missus. It's true. Where have you been? I'm going to shops. You've been a long time, haven't you? Where have you been? Bob, relax, you know. He give me that. So now I've got God. And I said, listen, Yvonne, I can't tell you, but he's real. I said, God is real. Well, what about the Bible? I said, don't worry about the Bible. I don't know any of it. I said, but I'm telling you. He's real. She said, okay, Bob, let's wait and see. Because she thought it might be a fad. She, she knew me violent temper. Let's wait and see. Over the next six months, she saw God in me. I didn't think I'd changed, but she saw it. She saw me peace. She saw God. And six months later, she became a Christian. Six months after that, my daughter became a Christian. God's movement this. I told Tommy, become a Christian. He said, great. Thought I'd gone crackers. Phoned our manager. Said he's lost it him. He's joined a cult. <laughs> Seven years later, Tommy became a Christian. <laughs> and I never mentioned God to him. I just said to him, I've become a Christian, Tom. That's all I said to him. I never pushed it with him at all. But he saw God. He saw God within me. If anybody meets a Christian, they should see God within them. If they don't see God within them, they're not doing it right. I'm not preaching, I'm just, it's a fact if you think about it. And when I became, that day, at the vicar's house, I was telling the congregation this last, last week, I said, I prayed, and I became a born-again Christian. And the congregation said, 
Amen. I said, I'll say it again. I became a born-again Christian. And I said to him, why did you say that? Because there's no such thing. And they were gobsmacked, a bit like you are now. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. There's no such thing. Because if you were a born-again Christian, what were you before? You weren't a Christian before. You weren't a Christian before. You were an heathen. You can't be a born-again Christian. What are you being born from? Hello? I'm a Christian, but now I'm going to be a proper Christian. There's no such thing. This amazes me. There's no such thing as a born-again Christian. There's a Christian. Right? And there's a guy who's been born again to become a Christian. That's what it is. When God touches your heart, you become a Christian. That's what you become because you weren't before. You are an either. I don't care... If you can come to church eight times a day, you can know the pastor, you can swing the smoking handbike, you can know every hymn, it does not make you a Christian. Jesus Christ makes you a Christian. This is true. Think about what I'm saying, it's amazing. It, it, oh, it was wonderful. I'll ask you a question. If you went out to be here tonight, well, maybe not here because we're in the country, but if you went in a, if you went in a town, no, we'll go out of here tonight. If you walk out of here tonight and you get knocked down and you die, ask yourself where you're going. Think about it. Where are you going? You might say, it doesn't matter. Because I've plenty of life left, I won't get knocked down. You don't know that. I'm only 18. You don't know that. What have you got knocked down? Where are you going? Are you going to heaven? Or are you going to hell? There's no in between. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's hell or there's heaven. Ask yourself, where are you going? There's only one way to go to heaven, through Jesus Christ. I've not said this, Jesus said this. It's not a threat. It's not. It's quite a mind-blowing thing, really, because you think, wow, that's true. You could go, wow, you're gone. You've got to look in your hearts. Look if you need Jesus. If you don't need him, great. Go on, then. Fine, no problems. But everybody has a God hole. Little God hole that something's just not right, something's just missing in your hearts. And do you know what stops us coming to God? Even as Christians, you know what stops us topping up? Our pride. We all have pride, a little bit of pride. Stops us coming to Jesus. Pride. Can destroy families. Pride can destroy churches. You can have a load of Christians in a church and that church will collapse. Because somebody will have a bit of pride in that church. It's a devil thing. It's a strange thing. If you're a Christian... Top yourselves up. Come to God. Ask for forgiveness. Pray. Come to him. Top yourselves. Top the Holy Spirit up. He's a plan for every single one of us. For every single human being here today, he has a plan. And if your plan's not going as you expect, you're doing it wrong. You've got to go to God. What have you got on your hand? Don't mind me. What's on his hand? 
You're asking for a mint. <laughs> so anyway, my talk is affecting you then. So, um, <laughs> the Holy Spirit you need, not a mint. Get that in you, the Holy Spirit, not a mint. They have a mint. Is it a, is it a holy mint? Polo or anything like that? Have you got any mints? You what, love? Can you what you say? Can you give him one? Of course you can. Have you got a few there? Pass them round, man. Pass them round. How many is there? How many is there? About eight. Bless them mints, you can do the full congregation. So God is good. God is wonderful. If you're a Christian, you need to top up. If you're a person that doesn't know God, you need to look into your hearts and ask him to change your lives. I don't care whatever pain we're going through. Divorce, bankruptcy, whatever. Whatever pain, you've lost somebody. Whatever pain you're going through, Jesus can change your life. He takes away your pain because he walks with you. He fills that emptiness you're feeling. And he'll take hold of your hand and say, come on, I'll take you through this pain you're having. God can change your life today. That's what he's here for. That's all God is here for. To say, I forgive you. Come home. He made you. He wants you to come home. That means come home in your hearts, and that's to come to him. And he can take away your pain, and your longing, and your hurting, and your problems. No matter what your problems are, he doesn't take them away, but he carries you through them. And once you know Jesus is with you, you don't worry about the problem. It's only when you're on your own you worry about it. It's true. What I'm going to do is... Could we, could, I, could he play something for me on the piano? You're not, you're not the piano. Who are you then? Drummer. You're the pianist, you're just trying to find things out. Are you the pianist? I find this a very strange church. But, um, well, it will do, it's on a farm. But, um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to play something. So I'm going, to, I'm going to pray in a minute. A healing prayer. Not a healing prayer, a forgiveness prayer. For people that don't know God. But even the Christians in here, say it along with me. Get forgiveness. I'm going to bow our heads and nobody will see you saying it. Just say it to yourself and to God. We'll say it now. So everybody bow their heads. But say it to God. He loves us all. He'll take it away. So just repeat the words after me. Say them to God. Dear Father, I come to you now as a sinner. I know that I am a sinner, Father. So please forgive me. 
take away my sin, Father. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. So I ask you to forgive me right now. And I ask you, Father, to touch me with your Holy Spirit. Touch me right now, Father. Show me that you love me. Touch me with your Holy Spirit. Just fill me, fill me, fill me. Once again, Father, forgive me sin. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. prayed that prayer and you prayed to God God will touch your lives what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at US Customs and Border Protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground cities to local communities CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.